My name is Abdul Kawi Yusuf. I'm the legal advisor of UNESCO, and I'm going to speak today about the notion of cultural heritage in international law. Uh, the international recognition of the public and collective character of cultural heritage, and it is normative treatment in international law, is actually of recent origin. The World Heritage Convention of 1972 may be considered as the pioneering instrument in this regard. Uh, the convention is still remains an important pillar of the normative system dealing with cultural heritage at the international level. But there are today a number of other conventions that deal with other aspects of cultural heritage. And we will also uh, examine those other conventions and the aspects of cultural heritage which they cover uh, during this lecture. But let me start with the 1972 World Heritage Convention. And actually, before the conclusion of that convention, the predominant concept within the framework of international instruments that dealt with culture or the protection of cultural heritage was the concept of cultural property, which basically implied the existence of private property rights as compared to the notion of cultural heritage, which we could say involves the need to preserve an inherited historical asset for future generations. When the initial proposals for the elaboration of a convention uh, on uh, sites, buildings, monuments were first uh, proposed, uh, the General Conference of UNESCO, in its resolution concerning this convention, did not refer to cultural heritage as such. It referred to the elaboration of a convention on monuments. But at the same time, it said that these monuments are part of the cultural heritage of mankind or an integral part of the cultural heritage of mankind. So an allusion was made uh, to cultural heritage as such, but the instrument to be elaborated was an instrument that was meant to protect uh, groups of buildings, uh, monuments, and sites. It was the Intergovernmental Committee of Experts that came up with the idea of putting the three categories of cultural property subject to protection in the proposed convention, that is monuments, groups of buildings and sites, under the umbrella concept of cultural heritage. Uh, one may ask oneself, was this due to the need to find an umbrella notion capable of covering the three categories to be protected? Or was the notion proposed as a result 
of the decision of including the protection of natural heritage in the convention and the accompanying recommendation to be adopted by the General Conference of UNESCO? Or did it come up only as an antonym of natural heritage? Or was it deliberately chosen because of its specific meaning and implications? It appears that the use of the expression cultural heritage had actually arisen as a result of the confluence into one instrument of the initiatives on the one hand for the elaboration of an international instrument for the preservation of cultural objects, and on the other hand, of natural resources. And the consequent need to put the three proposed subjects of protection in the field of culture, the monuments, groups of buildings and sites, which I just mentioned, under an umbrella notion that would equate them to the natural heritage. So on the one hand, you would have cultural heritage, and on the other hand, you will have natural heritage, and they would both be brought under the same legal instrument and included in the convention that was under elaboration. The use of the concept of cultural heritage in the 1972 convention uh, brought about a clear break with the notion of cultural property which was until then used in UNESCO conventions and recommendations concerning the protection of movable or immovable cultural objects. But it also had a number of positive and forward-looking implications. Uh, first of all, because the word heritage implies the need to preserve a historical asset for future generations and the obligation of present generations to safeguard and protect such an asset. Secondly, the use of the word heritage widens the scope of the subject matter to be protected, opening it up to the possibility of encompassing not only physical elements of culture, but also it is intangible elements, as well as the relationship of humans to cultural objects. And thirdly, as opposed to property, the notion of heritage implies the existence of a value which potentially transcends national boundaries and may, as a consequence, be of interest to humanity as a whole and deserve protection at the international level. These characteristics and implications of the notion of cultural heritage uh, made it uh, an important notion that uh, transcends uh, the initial, its initial use in the convention of 1972 and therefore becomes uh, the expression of choice uh, to be included and to be used in all conventions dealing with cultural heritage. But added to the definition of the 
cultural heritage of cultural heritage in the convention of 1972 and in its article 1 is the concept or the expression of outstanding universal value this expression of outstanding universal value is used as a qualifier with respect to all the elements which compose uh, the notion of cultural heritage. Uh, all the three items that uh, I referred to, uh, which, are, which were placed under the umbrella notion of cultural heritage. This qualifier has been introduced as a result of the deliberations of the uh, Intergovernmental Committee and the comments of the member states on the preliminary report of the Director General of UNESCO concerning uh, the elaboration of the convention. In the first draft of the convention, uh, the reference was made uh, to this universal outstanding, uh, the, the outstanding universal value uh, in terms of being of universal interest. And it is from the notion of universal interest that the notion and the expression of un outstanding universal value has actually evolved and has come to be used as uh, a qualifier for cultural heritage in order to better understand what constitutes cultural heritage of outstanding universal value and should therefore be protected under the convention. Uh, the definition of cultural heritage as contained in Article 1 of the 1972 Convention has remained the same. Uh, it has not been amended. So for the purposes of the Convention, the, no the notion of cultural heritage is still considered to consist of the three elements, monumentis, which are, of course, architectural works, works of monumental sculpture and painting, elements or structures of an archaeological nature, and groups of buildings and sites. By groups of buildings, of course, uh, it's meant uh, to indicate groups of separate or connected buildings, which because of their architecture or their homogeneity, or their place in the landscape are of outstanding universal value. And sites, which are works of men, or the combined works of nature and man, and areas including archaeological sites, also considered of outstanding universal value. The meaning and scope of this element is despite the fact that they have not been formally amended, has undergone a profound change over the years through the practice of the World Heritage Committee and through successive revisions of the operational guidelines for the implementation of the World Heritage Convention. For the 1972 convention, 
monumentis, groups of buildings and sites, constitute the basic definitional elements of cultural heritage, but they also form an integral whole, each element being inseparable from the other for the purpose of defining cultural heritage under the convention. They also may be considered as the individual components of cultural heritage to be protected under the convention, but only in so far as they possess or embody certain qualities, particularly the quality of outstanding universal value. However, the concept of outstanding universal value, which applies not only to the cultural heritage part of the convention, but also to natural heritage, is not defined at all in the convention. The World Heritage Committee had therefore to establish certain criteria in the guidelines for the implementation of the convention to determine whether a property proposed by a country, let's say, for inscription in the list of, in the World Heritage List, meets the criteria of having outstanding universal value. So, in a way, it is through the development and application of this criteria, as well as the criteria for the assessment of the subsidiary requirements of authenticity, integrity, and existence of adequate protection and management system, that the notion of cultural heritage under the 1972 convention has evolved over the years to take into account the development of knowledge, scientific thought, and the growing importance of cultural diversity in the world. And it was through this that it was able to broaden the scope of its application to diverse manifestations of culture around the world. The expansion of the scope and the content of these elements were basically due to the fact that questions were raised and gaps and imbalances were identified through the implementation of the convention and particularly in the establishment of the World Heritage List. These shortcomings uh, in the application of the notion of cultural heritage included uh, a number of uh, gaps and uh, a deficiencies uh, which could be uh, characterized as follows. Uh, first of all, uh, as originally defined in the convention, the notion of cultural heritage was found when actually implemented uh, and applied uh, to proposed sites, to be essentially based on a monumentalist vision of cultural heritage. This monumentalist vision of cultural heritage isolated its physical dimensions from its non-physical ones. Secondly, the definition appeared 
not to have adequately taken into account the spatial, temporal, and social, in other words, the ways of life, dimensions of cultural heritage. Thirdly, it was considered to have placed too much emphasis on cultural output at the expense of cultural processes and associated values. So in order to address these shortcomings, the a global, global studies were undertaken by the World Heritage Committee in the 1980s, and these studies later resulted in the elaboration of a global strategy for a representative, balanced, and credible World Heritage List. And of course, this World Heritage List was meant to reflect an expanded and a more receptive uh, notion of cultural heritage. The studies and the strategy did not focus only on the definitional elements as such, but they addressed mainly the qualities that such elements were meant to possess under the definition in order to qualify for inscription in the World Heritage List, and thus become eligible for protection under the Convention. Uh, the most fundamental quality, which of course uh, the cultural heritage element is, must possess under the Convention, as I said earlier, to warrant collective responsibility for its preservation is that of outstanding universal value. The concept of outstanding universal value uh, was meant to deal mainly with the physical, non-movable dimensions of cultural heritage that were included in the definition of the uh, convention. And of course, uh, this constituted a very select subset of uh, cultural heritage, and its coverage could not be considered from the outset to encompass cultural heritage in all its manifestations. It should indeed be recalled that together with the convention, the General Conference of UNESCO adopted a recommendation concerning the protection of the natural and cultural heritage, whose objective was to establish common approaches among member states in the preservation of heritage of special value at the national level. The General Conference also decided to undertake action at the international level to protect through other standard setting instruments, the intangible elements of cultural heritage. As a result, it adopted a recommendation on the safeguarding of traditional culture and folklore, which was adopted by UNESCO in 1989, followed later by the elaboration and adoption in 2003 of the UNESCO Convention for the Safeguard of the Intangible Cultural Heritage. 
work was at the same time initiated in UNESCO in the 1990s on an instrument for the international protection of underwater cultural heritage. And this work resulted in the conclusion in 2001 of the Underwater Cultural Heritage Convention. Finally, in October 2005, the UNESCO General Conference adopted the Convention on the Protection and Promotion of the Diversity of Cultural Expressionists, better known as the Cultural Diversity Convention. All these conventions contribute to a better understanding and a better definition of the notion of cultural heritage in international law. But before turning to the examination of these other instruments and the manner in which they expand the notion of cultural heritage in international law, let me say a few words about the global strategy for a balanced, representative, and credible world heritage list which was launched by the World Heritage Committee in 1994 in order to make the World Heritage List more receptive of the diversity of cultural heritage in the world. As a result of the adoption of the global strategy, a turning point in the development of the concept of cultural heritage was actually uh, achieved, as well as in its application by the committee uh, to the proposals uh, for inclusion in the World Heritage List. The strategy practically led to the broadening of the notion of cultural heritage and to the establishment of a process of taking into account developments in knowledge, scientific thought, and views of relationships among cultures, so that the list established by the committee would become more varied and more reflective of the manifestations of outstanding universal value in different cultures. In 1972, the idea of cultural heritage when the convention was first adopted had been to a very large extent confined to architectural monuments and buildings and sites. But since then, the history of art and architecture, of archaeology, the work on anthropology and ethnology concentrated no longer on single monuments in isolation, but rather on considering cultural groupings that were complex and multidimensional, which demonstrated in spatial terms the social structures, ways of life, sometimes beliefs, systems of knowledge, and representations of different past and present cultures in the world. So the global strategy took these developments into consideration and integrated them into the assessment of properties to be inscribed in the World Heritage List and to be considered as constituting cultural heritage of universal 
value, of outstanding universal value. So it took into account three frameworks, typological, chronological and regional and thematic, which were identified by the World Heritage Committee at its 26th session in Budapest in June 2002 to facilitate the task of those status parties that wanted to propose uh, a site uh, for inscription in the World Heritage List and submit nominations uh, that would have further impact through this evolving concepts and strategies on the definition of cultural uh, heritage. The inclusion of the notion of cultural heritage in the 1972 convention, it should also be mentioned, and its linkage to the notion of natural heritage uh, constituted, one could say, a major conceptual leap forward as compared to earlier conventions, uh, which used the limited notions of cultural objects or cultural property. A, and the successive revisions of the guidelines for the implementation of the 1972 uh, convention has further enriched this notion of cultural heritage of outstanding universal value to take into account the developments in human knowledge about cultural expressions not only in a tangible physical form, but also in the form of intangible heritage associated with this. But the convention could not by itself cover all the different manifestations of cultural heritage. Some of these manifestations are therefore dealt with in the other conventions that I have just mentioned. The most important of this one, of these conventions uh, being the convention uh, dealing with intangible cultural heritage of 2003 and the convention dealing with the safeguarding of cultural diversity of 2005. In the 2003 convention for the safeguarding of intangible cultural heritage, it is indeed mentioned in the preambular paragraphs of the convention that existing international agreements, recommendations, and resolutions concerning the cultural and natural heritage need to be effectively enriched and supplemented by means of new provisions relating to the intangible cultural heritage. Of course, this is a direct reference to the 1972 convention and to the 1972 recommendation. But what is exactly intangible cultural heritage? Intangible cultural heritage is the practices, expressions, representations, skills, as well as the objects and spaces associated with these objects that are considered as part of their cultural heritage by a community or by a group or even sometimes by individuals.
And this intangible cultural heritage manifests itself in many ways, which actually are described in the convention. It may manifest itself in the form of representations. It may manifest itself in the form of performances like dance. It may manifest itself uh, in the form of knowledge and skills that are possessed by a community and that have been inherited by that community and which the community wishes to transmit also to future generations. It also includes language, which is a vehicle, actually, of the intangible cultural heritage itself. So Article 2 of the Convention, in its definition of intangible cultural heritage, refers to the instruments, objects, artifacts, and cultural spaces associated with them, underlining, therefore, the relationship between tangible and intangible cultural heritage. The main objective of the Convention on Intangible Cultural Heritage is to ensure that intangible cultural heritage is considered and safeguarded in its own right, as defined in the Convention, and not only as associative elements of tangible or physical heritage. A very distinctive feature of the approach of the 2003 Convention on Intangible Cultural Heritage to the definition of cultural heritage is its identification of the value of such heritage on the basis of its character for the community concerned without any reference to its universality or its significance across national boundaries. So this was actually also recognized in the Yamato Declaration of 2004 on integrated approaches uh, for safeguarding tangible and intangible cultural heritage. According to that declaration, of course, one could find, uh, they say, the uh, countless examples of intangible cultural heritage all over the world that do not depend for their existence or for their expression on specific places or objects and whose values and association with monuments and sites are not considered uh, to make them intangible cultural heritage uh, and therefore would not make them fall under the 2003 convention, uh, especially when they belong to the past and not to the living heritage of present-day communities. Uh, one could say that the uh, a second purpose of the 2003 convention is to safeguard continuously evolving and sometimes ephemeral knowledge or practices and processes rather than to protect products. Therefore, the notion of authenticity as applied, for example, to tangible cultural heritage does not have much relevance for the identification and safeguarding of intangible cultural heritage. But despite these differences, 
the interdependence between intangible cultural heritage, as defined in the 2003 convention, and the notion of cultural heritage in the 1972 convention, uh, taking, of course, into account its evolution through the guidelines, uh, cannot be ignored. This interdependence is extremely important. And it could perhaps be best illustrated by a few examples of the way the two actually uh, are complementary. And therefore, both of them belong to the same notion of cultural heritage in international law. Let us take the example of the Medina of Marrakesh in Morocco, which was inscribed in the World Heritage List under the 72 Convention in 1985. This Medina includes within its boundaries the Jama'a al-Fina Square, which was proclaimed in 2001 as a cultural space under the program of the masterpieces of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity of UNESCO, and is, of course, as a result, likely to be integrated to the list of intangible heritage under the 2003 convention. Another example would be the rice terraces of the Philippine Cordilleras, which were inscribed in the World Heritage List of the 72 Convention in 1995. But this, the people who uh, cultivate the rice and who use these terraces have traditional chants, uh, called the huhu chants, which are sung during the sowing season and also during the harvest of the rice. And these songs, these chants, were proclaimed a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity in 2001 and are similarly uh, to be integrated uh, to the list of the 2003 Convention on Intangible uh, Cultural Heritage. So that shows us the interdependency and the complementarity of the two notions, which actually belong to the same notion of cultural heritage, and, but which describe uh, different manifestations of cultural heritage. Another important convention uh, for the understanding of the notion of cultural heritage in international law is the UNESCO Convention on the Protection of the Underwater Cultural Heritage that was concluded uh, in 2001. Uh, the Underwater Cultural Heritage Convention deals with another manifestation of cultural heritage, not covered under the 1972 Convention, nor under the 2003 Convention. Underwater cultural heritage is defined in the 2001 convention as being all, as referring to all traces of human existence, having a cultural, historical, or archeological character, which have been partially or totally underwater 
periodically or continuously for at least 100 years, such as sites, structures, buildings, artifacts, and human remains, together, of course, with their archaeological and natural context. And this further includes uh, vessels, aircraft, other vehicles, or any part thereof, their cargo or other contents together with the archaeological and natural context, and of course, objects of historic character, of prehistoric character, I should say. The main purpose of the 2001 Convention is to ensure and strengthen the protection of underwater cultural heritage particularly to preserve it in situ, wherever possible, for the benefit of humanity, and to promote international cooperation in the protection of such heritage, and to prevent its exploitation for commercial purposes. When the convention was being elaborated, uh, and uh, a feasibility study for the drafting of the Underwater Cultural Heritage Convention uh, was prepared. Uh, the structure and scope of the 1972 convention was considered not to be adapted uh, or adaptable to the particular problems of heritage protection in international waters, mainly for two reasons. Uh, the first reason was that many of the sites to be protected are of great importance, but could not be characterized as being of outstanding universal value. A second reason was that uh, the Convention of 1972 on Cultural Heritage does not apply to movables whereas the excavation of underwater heritage is very often concerned with artifacts already separated from the main site. The effective protection of underwater heritage, which is uh, contiguous or closely connected with a site, proposed, for example, for inscription, in the 19, under the 1972 convention, sometimes plays an important role in the inclusion of such a site in the World Heritage List. It is also important, I think, to uh, examine uh, the relevance of another convention which does not have in its title the word cultural heritage, to the notion of cultural heritage in international law. This convention is the Convention on the Protection and Promotion of the Diversity of Cultural Expressions, uh, which was adopted by the General Conference of UNESCO in 2005. It is generally referred to as the Cultural Diversity Convention. And it does not, as I said, have the notion of cultural heritage in its title. But the symbiotic relationship 
between cultural diversity and cultural heritage was strongly underlined in the convention and in some of the documents that actually preceded it, including the NARA document on authenticity of 1994, uh, long before actually the 2003, uh, uh, the 2005 convention uh, was elaborated in UNESCO. Uh, the NARA document <coughs> underlined that the diversity of cultures and heritage in our world is an irreplaceable source of spiritual and intellectual richness for all humankind. And so the protection and enhancement of cultural and heritage diversity in our world should be seen as the aspect or a different aspect is of the same issue which concerns human development. Because cultural heritage and cultural heritage diversity especially exists in time and space and demands respect for other cultures and all aspects of their belief systems. So the NARA document and the NARA declaration puts an emphasis on the fact that in cases where cultural values appear to be in conflict, respect for cultural diversity demands acknowledgement of the cultural heritage of a people and the cultural values of all parties. So all cultures and societies are of course rooted in the particular forms and means of uh, cultural expression, whether these are of a tangible nature or intangible nature. And these expressions constitute their heritage and should be respected. So the need to take into consideration the diverse forms of culture was addressed uh, not only by the NARA document and declaration that I have just referred to, but also by the World Heritage Committee in its successive revisions of the criteria for the assessment of outstanding universal value. And as a result of this assessment and of the revision of the criteria, uh, the notion of cultural heritage was enriched through the inclusion of, for example, cultural landscapes, cultural roots, as well as of associative intangible elements. It could, of course, be argued that the adoption first in 2003 in UNESCO of the Universal Declaration on Cultural Diversity and afterwards of the Cultural Diversity Convention has further strengthened the recognition at the international level of the diverse manifestations of cultural heritage and their variability over time and space. 
this has also led to the emergence of a more solid link between the universal values attached to cultural heritage and the need to protect and promote cultural diversity. One could find an expression, a clear expression of this link in Article 7 on the Universal Declaration on Cultural Diversity, because uh, this article refers to the fact that creation draws on the roots of cultural tradition, but it only flourishes in contact with other cultures. That is the reason why heritage in all its forms must be preserved, enhanced, and handed on to future generations as a record of human experience and aspirations so as to foster creativity in all its diversity and to inspire a genuine dialogue among cultures. The Declaration and the Convention also recognize, and this is reflected in Article 4 of the Convention, uh, which stipulates that the varied ways in which the cultural heritage of humanity is expressed constitutes one of the manifestations of cultural diversity. So the influence that the diverse manifestations of cultural heritage, covered under the conventions which I mentioned earlier, the 1972 convention, uh, the 2001 convention on underwater cultural heritage, the 2003 convention on uh, intangible cultural heritage, have already had or might have in the future in the interpretation and application of the notion of cultural heritage is immense. So it should not actually be underestimated. Uh, this impact should not be underestimated because it has already contributed and will continue to contribute to the evolutive interpretation of the conventions taken as a whole, as well as the adaptation of the notion uh, as it is applied to new realities, to new developments, and as a better understanding uh, of the world heritage and of human heritage is developed. Uh, these influences uh, should not, however, uh, be exaggerated in view uh, of the limitations that have been imposed for example, in the case of the 1972 convention by the scope and uh, objectives of that convention. And the context within which the notion of cultural heritage was originally utilized uh, in the convention. To conclude, it could perhaps be said that on the one hand, the expansion over the past 30 years of the notion of cultural heritage is partly due to the evolution of our own understanding of what constitutes 
cultural heritage of especially outstanding universal value and of the criteria that were established by the committee of the 1972 convention uh, for its application. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the notion of cultural heritage has been further expanded and also made more receptive of the diverse manifestations uh, of culture through the conclusion of the new conventions, more recent conventions on intangible cultural heritage, on underwater cultural heritage, and on a, the diversity of cultural expressions. So the notion of cultural her heritage is no longer limited uh, to that subset of physical and tangible heritage that was first identified under the 1972 convention, but it encompasses today the intangible manifestations, the underwater heritage, and of course it englobes also uh, the diversity of the expressions through which this uh, cultural heritage is uh, a made or is a manifests itself uh, in various cultures. One must, however, acknowledge that despite this important normative development and this expansion of the notion of cultural heritage through successive conventions covered uh, by the UNESCO instruments I have just mentioned, that despite this, there is not as yet a clear uh, and an integrated approach uh, to the notion of cultural heritage uh, in international law. Such an integrated approach, which encompasses all the manifestations that I have just mentioned, mentioned still remains to be explicitly defined at the international level.